Amen. A life for a life. If you were faced with death, would you die for me? If you were given the choice, would you give up the life you have right now so that I can live a better life? I am on assignment to encourage the body of Christ to see the necessity of growing in our relationship with God. We begin this Bible study with that topic, and then we critiqued our relationship with God. We talked about the significance of communicating with God and hearing and following his voice. Last week, we talked about the fact that many of us have difficulty hearing his voice and receiving his word and building our relationship with him because we're too distracted. If you miss these messages, go and listen to the Growing the Flock Up podcast or go to my Facebook or Instagram webpage at Maisha Salim. Amen. Last week, we examined Luke 10, 38 through 42, where Jesus was at the house of Mary and Martha. And we established that Mary and Martha were both at some point sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing and receiving the seed of his word. But eventually, Martha became distracted, but Mary maintained her focus on Jesus. Mary chose to ignore the distractions, the expectations, and the pressures of the culture. And she chose to focus on receiving the word of God. Mary is symbolic of many in the body of Christ, distracted. There's so much drama and division and distraction in the church and in the lives of the people of God that we're no longer focused on Jesus. We're no longer focused on the word, on saving souls, on on loving the people of God, on expanding and building the kingdom. We're more focused on ourselves and on our own desires. And most of us don't even know that we're distracted. But as I studied out this passage and this idea of sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing his word, and that those who do this are the ones who bear fruit, I discovered that the way to tell if you're distracted is by examining your fruit. As we give in to distractions, it becomes increasingly difficult to bear fruit because midway through the process, you get distracted and never reach fruitfulness. But if we can focus on hearing and obeying his word, it will produce fruit in our lives. Say amen. amen. Last week, we looked at Mark 4 where Jesus shares the parable of the sower with his disciples. And we saw that the sower sows the word. And when the word falls on good ground, it becomes fruitful, but only the good ground produces fruit. The good ground is the person who hears the word, accepts it, obeys it, and bears fruit. Being fruitful is therefore a process. I first recognize God's command for me to do something. Then I determine determine within myself and obey and follow his command. And as I do, I experience a profound transformation. I begin to look more and more like Jesus. And the reason why the church doesn't look like Jesus is because there aren't enough believers who are focused on receiving his word, obeying it and bearing fruit. Our trees have no fruit, no mature fruit, no healthy fruit. Why? Because instead of focusing on Jesus, we're focused on ourselves. Instead of obeying his word, we obey our own desires. Instead of focusing on equipping the saints, we're worried about 
about making money off of them. I said what I said, what the world sees when it looks at us, when we don't allow his word to work on our souls, our behavior, our speech, our mentality, how we treat one another, what the world sees is not our Christ. What they see is a distorted image of the God we claim to serve and the Christ we claim to follow. We got to let this word wash us so that the world can see a clearer image of Christ in us. The good ground bears fruit. So I asked the scripture, because that's how you study the Bible. I asked the word, what is this fruit that we are to bear? Now, the Bible refers to several types of fruit, the fruit of the spirit. It talks about bearing fruit worthy of repentance, the fruit of righteousness, first fruits. But then there is this particular fruit that is mentioned here in the parable of the sower in Mark 4. Mark 4 then took me to John 15, 1 through 4. Now I'm going to read this in the amplified version for fuller meaning. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes so that it will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I gave you, the teachings which I have discussed with you remain in me and I will remain in you just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vines. Neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. The King James Version says, abide in me, dwell to stay, to sink deeper into me. And the way to abide is to obey. When we obey his commandments, we bear fruit. So it's not just sitting at his feet hearing fruit comes by obeying what I heard. Still, Jesus is speaking of a specific type of fruit here. So I studied a little more and I went back a few chapters and discovered what the fruit is that we bear when we hear and obey his command. In John 13, verses 34 through 35, Jesus gives us a command. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Loving one another is a fruit of having fellowship with Jesus. You can't tell me that you love God, but treat another believer who is made in the image of God like trash. Jesus said that the way we love him is by obeying his commandment to love one another. But the commandment is not just for us to love one another. The commandment is to love one another as he has loved us. So I have to love you, not the way I feel love should be given, not the way I have been loved or according to my interpretation of the action of love. God knew we couldn't figure out how to love each other on our own, so he took the guesswork out of it and said, love one another as I have loved you. What makes us holy, what sets us apart from the world is not the miracles. It is not the size or the look of your church building. It is not your shout or your suit. It is not how relatable we can make the gospel. It's not the number of people in your church. Sheep will listen to anybody if they don't know the voice of God. It's not even the love that we have for the lost. It is 
is how we love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You know why the world doesn't know we are his disciples? Because they don't see us loving each other. So my next question was, how has he loved us? John 15, nine through 10 says, as the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. We say we love Jesus. But Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, do what I say, do. And we don't like that because we identify that type of language with manipulation and control. The way that I show you that I love you is by doing what you say, do. Excuse me. I am my own person. But Jesus says, as the father has loved me, I also has loved, have loved you the same way. I remained in the father's love by obeying his commands. The way that you stay in my love is by obeying my commandments. Still, how has he loved us? Verse 13 says, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. We love to consider ourselves friends of God. But he says, the way to be my friend is to do whatever I command you to do. And my commandment is that you love one another. And before you puff up your self-righteous chest and start thinking about everything you do to love people, pay attention to what God says. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. May I propose to you that if you're still hanging on to your life, still hanging on to your will, still distracted, still doing what you want to do. You have not laid down your life for your friend. If you haven't surrendered your life to him, if you haven't humbled yourself into servanthood, you're still hanging on to your life. But Jesus said that if any man desire to come after me, let him daily deny himself. Take up your cross and follow me for whosoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Your best life is no life at all until it is the life God purposed for you to live. Oh, but I want to bring glory to God. Jesus said, by this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So will you be my disciples by what? By loving one another. Why? Because God is love. How can I say that I love God and hate my brother in the faith? God says not so for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son who laid down his life for ours. And if he so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I have one more scripture and I'm done. First John 3, 16 through 18 says, by this, we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? We've been commanded to love one another. 
but I can't love you like Jesus if I'm still hanging on to me. I can't love you if I'm distracted from spending time with him. I can't love you if I refuse to obey him and do what he commands me to do. How do we claim to love God's people but won't lay down our attitude, won't humble ourselves to serve others? How do we claim to love God but too busy, too distracted to sit down and hear his word? How do we claim to love God while running from the work he called us to do? We know that there is a need for what we have, for our gifts, for our anointing, but when we refuse to obey him, our lives become fruitless. We see our friends in need, but because we won't lay down our lives, our insecurities, our uncertainty, our sin, our plan, our timeline, people are out here lost because we're not willing to sacrifice our comfortability to love our brother, a life for a life. When faced daily with death, would you lay down your life for your friend? For a lost, hurting, and broken soul, would you give up the life you have right now to live the life God is calling you to live? Obeying the command to love our brothers and sisters means loving them like Jesus and voluntarily laying down our lives for theirs. I believe that the Lord is commanding us to bear the fruit of brotherly love by taking up our cross daily and laying down our lives for one another that the world may know that we are disciples of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So right where you are, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we acknowledge you as the sovereign God. We humbly submit our lives to you. We confess that we haven't always loved each other how you've loved us. And today, Lord, we repent. We turn from our unfruitful ways. Holy Spirit, we ask that you give us the grace to love one another. Jesus, we pray that you would continue to wash us with your word, that we might bear even more fruit. Lord, we receive your word as truth and we apply it daily to our lives. We will obey. We surrender our lives for yours. Lord, you died for us and for that we will live for you. We thank you for fresh revelation into your word and the grace to not just be hearers, but to let your word be planted in us and that we would be doers of your commands. We love you and we will do what it is you say in the sovereign name of our Lord and King. Jesus the Christ. Amen.